Well, it's great to be with you all today. And um, it's so exciting to be here. It's so exciting to see your growth. In fact, I had to park a mile away this morning. I got here just, just a little, just right on time, just a little bit late, and there's no parking. I'm going, what's up with this? You know, uh, you guys got to find bigger space. I'm just telling you, <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> And the first service, uh, uh, is this the f first Sunday you changing, doing two services? And so the first service was completely packed. I'm going, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I'm old enough to remember how you started. You know, you started with a little Bible study in a clubhouse in an apartment complex. And, and now, this is awesome. It's really amazing. And so, Tim, I love you, and you're doing a good job, and uh, he's not here today. But um, he's in he and uh, Teresa great people. I love Teresa's prayer. You know, I just love it when you say that this is the hour of the week when you can let go of everything. Just let go. You know, I mean, whatever stress you've got, let it go. And uh, in this hour, you can just not worry about anything but focus on God, present ourselves to the Lord. Amen. I love this hour of the week. Amen. Well, um, um, this morning I'd like to speak to you. Um, let's go to the first slide if we can. Uh, actually, first I want to talk about headaches for a few minutes. Um, um, there are several different kinds of headaches. And uh, migraine is one of them. If you have migraine, I don't know what you do. Thankfully, I've never been had, had one, but... From what I understand, if you have a migraine headache, it doesn't just go away. You've got to go into a dark room and spend a few days, you know, in a dark room. But there's another kind of headache, and it's called, um, next slide, thank you, uh, hypertension. If you have a hypertension headache, an aspirin will probably help. Um, yeah, an aspirin and just a little bit of relaxation uh, just because of the tension. Just kind of let go, and you're you know, your headache goes away. But then the third kind is stress, and stress is bad. And uh, because a lot of times stress happens outside your control, and so it takes an aspirin and a Tylenol and an ibuprofen, and you get rid of the, the headache. But there's another kind of headache, and I don't know what to say about this one. <laughs> I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> Especially if you're from Florida, this is a bad one. This is really, really bad. You know, um, so for many years I was a Miami Hurricanes fan, and I just loved to speak in Gainesville when I'd go up there and just preach in Gainesville and go to the church there. I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan, and they would boo me, and one thing I tried to throw me off the platform. You know? <laughs> but anyway, football season's coming up, and uh, we're excited about that, and so a lot of us are going to get high blood pressure over things that are just totally unimportant, you know, <laughs> the next few weeks. And we're going to be excited about who wins in January. And I just hope it's not them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So today I, I do want to talk to you about something serious. Oh, football serious. I, I do understand that. But there's one topic that's a little bit more serious. And so we'll just talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, uh, Joshua chapter 3. 
first let me say that this is the day that the Lord has made. I just love it. You know, this is the day that God has given us. Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. It says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Um, and so Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Let's pray. Lord, today, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, we yield our hearts and our minds to you in this next few minutes, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will touch us. Lord, I'm asking you to do miracles among us. I'm asking you to do things that are way beyond what humans can do, but what only you can do, because you are alive. You care about us. You're there for us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, this is uh, the beginning of Joshua, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, Joshua being one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament, because we see in Joshua's life uh, every step of his discipleship. We see him from being a teenager, just a young person in the congregation of Israel, how God elevated him. Uh, And if you follow his life from Exodus into this book, Joshua, you see about about 20 or so different points of discipleship where he grew in the Lord, where he God used him for uh, his growth. And that's what is happening to all of us, that God is, as we start out, there are things that, that we don't understand completely, but as we grow in him, he builds our lives and makes us strong. And so here in Joshua, uh, Moses is dead now having not been able to lead the people into the promised land because he had made the dreadful mistake of ruining one of God's greatest illustrations for the Bible and for all Christians for, for, the, for, for eternity. Moses blew it by, by striking the rock the second time. And that was an illustration that God was going to provide an answer to the prophetic word that's found in Genesis that... that um, Um, that he was going to strike the heel of Satan because of what he had done to all mankind by inflicting us with this thing called sin. And uh, and so the first time Moses was to strike the rock, this was a a picture of God's uh, prophetic word and what God was going to say to us. And then the second time when they didn't have any water, he he was supposed to simply speak to the rock. And God was going to provide water. Well, Moses got upset. Alabama had just won the title, and or whatever it was, you know. <laughs> he got upset, and he 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 uh, struck the rock the second time. And God said that was the wrong thing. I wanted you to speak to the rock, because in coming days, to get free from sin, you don't have to strike the rock. I've already done it through the cross, and now you just simply speak. And so we know that now, but we also know that that Moses had blown it. But now to be free in life is to speak the word. Ask God to simply just open our mouth. It says confess with your mouth and believe with your heart and freedom and peace of God. How powerful. Well, Moses blew it. And so God did allow him to see the promised land from the top of a mountain, but but he... uh, Uh, did not allow Moses to go in. And so Joshua had risen to a point of leadership, and so now he is the one that is uh, leading, and he says, God says to him, tomorrow I want you to consecrate yourselves. Now the word consecrate, I had always 
kind of associated the, cons- cons- the word consecrate with uh, sanctification, which probably is a good comparison, except consecrate is a little more focused and simply defined. Uh, it says that it's uh, to set yourself apart. So God is saying to Israel, tomorrow I want you to set yourself apart. Now they had a lot of things to set themselves apart from. They just uh, endured 40 years in the wilderness Uh, God had taken care of every need. He had given them water when they needed water. Their clothes didn't didn't wear out, which was fine for me, but for my wife, who is a fashionista, you know, and uh, you got to just wear the right right color T-shirt with those jeans. You know, you can't wear anyone. You got to have the right color. I, I mean, fashionistas. I feel bad for them because. This is so important. Well, the fashionistas in Israel for all these years had, I mean, they were wearing the same clothes whenever they came out of Egypt. You know, and uh, and fashions had changed, but God had taken care of them. Wouldn't let their clothes wear out. What a wonderful thing. I have a favorite t-shirt. I want to wear it for the rest of my, you know, and further, I mean, and this is a major thing, especially if you're Italian, because Italians are known for shoe factories and shoe creators. And you go to Italy, and there's a, there is a shoe shop on every corner. I was in Rome just two weeks ago, walking down the street. Every other store is a women's shoe shop. What is this? How can there be enough women in Italy to buy enough shoes to keep these guys in business? You know, And there's... Good shoes, there's bad shoes, tall shoes, fat shoes, skinny shoes. I mean, every kind of shoe, shoes with nothing on top. And I mean, all, and, and, and God for Israel had kept their shoes. I mean, they're wearing the same shoes they did 40 years ago. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Don't have to go to the store and buy new shoes. God had taken care of every need that they had. And now... Now, uh, and plus there was a lot of other things that didn't happen that, that God, and so God is saying to them, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart. Tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. You know, it's better to listen to God's guidance. And so God had tried to do this before. He had tried to get them to follow him. And they said, no, we want to, because they're human, they want to be like everybody else. You know, they, they, did, they didn't want to be different. God said, you're a different people. I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to help you and provide for you, and, 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 and I'm going to do things that, I, that don't happen for other people. But they didn't want that. They wanted to be like everybody else, just like we want to be like everyone else. I, I'm like that. I mean, I, I, early in my life, I wanted to be like somebody else. I, I thought I had, uh, I had in my mind what I wanted to do with my life, and I wanted to be a pharmacist. <laughs> and um, thankfully, God knew me better than I knew me and didn't, you know, made it so that I didn't become a pharmacist. Because today, if I had gotten my dream, you know what I'd be doing today? I'd be down at the Walgreen in the back there. I'd be counting pills. You know? <laughs> 1, 2, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay, and then stick them in a bottle, put the name on there. And, I mean, what a boring job. Can you imagine counting pills all day? And God knew I wasn't wired for that. He knew that if I was counting pills all day, I would go crazy. 
I mean, literally, I would be a basket case because I don't like doing the same thing over and over. I like variety. I like different kinds of things. I like being in a different place next week than I was last week. I just, I just love variety. And so if, if I had gotten what I wanted, so God steered my life. And thankfully, I listened. But when we listen to him, your life is better. And human nature just wants to blend in with everybody else. But our spiritual nature, nature wants us to please God and do what God wants out of us. If we listen to him, I'm, I tell you, if you listen to what he has for you, your life will be better. And I don't mean just a little bit better. I mean much better. So uh, human nature wants to blend. I like Romans 8, 5, and 6. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And for you, because you are a unique creation, God has a specific design and plan for your life. And He wants you to follow Him. And as you grow, your life is going to unfold and He's going to take you places you never dreamed you would go. He's going to do things through you. I'm telling you, that you never dreamed that you would do because you listened to what he had for you. But if you don't listen, I'm telling you, your life is going to be boring. Just boring. You're going to do the same thing over and over again. Life is going to be boring. You might, you might like my desire to be a pharmacist. I want to make a lot of money. That was a whole motivation. And had I gotten that, I would have made a lot. I mean, pharmacists, do you know what they start? You graduate from University of Florida. Your first job in Florida as a pharmacist, the average is $110,000 a year. How many want to be a pharmacist? <laughs> oh, what a boring life, I'm telling you. But so he says, you got to consecrate yourselves to the Lord because I'm going to do great things among you. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. Now, this is uh, Joshua and Caleb. I mean, Joshua and Caleb, they were unique people in Israel. They were the guys that came back after spying out the land. They came back and uh, they said, hey, this is a cakewalk. We're going to be able to go in there and take out these guys. And the other 10 guys had actually opened their eyes when they went into the land and they had seen that there are giants there. I mean, all the Jews were about a meter and a half tall. And all the people in the promised land were three meters. Goliath, David killed Goliath. He was, uh, what, nine feet, nine feet, six inches tall. A big guy. And so all these people that are in there are big people. And so the ten spies come back and they say, <laughs> you're, you're not, what is God? Why is he doing this to us? What did we do to have to go fight three meter type people to get their land. And Joshua and Caleb said, oh, no problem. God is with us. God is going to help us. We're going to be able to take those guys out in a heartbeat. Because they could see that God was bigger than the enemy. And do you know what he wants us to see today? Do you know what it is? Do you know that the enemies against you in your life are three meter giants. They're bigger than you. And you know that God wants us to realize that he is bigger than the three meter problem you've got. 
And all of us are facing things, and we've got to realize that when we consecrate ourselves to him, that he will do great things among us. So the first thing I want to say is that that he will exalt you. Joshua was the new leader now in Israel, and God wanted to elevate him among the people so that they, they re- would realize that he really is our leader, and if we will follow him, that we're going, things are going to go well. So Joshua 3, 7, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may see, may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. He needed to establish Joshua as the leader. Joshua had already proved himself over and over again. As I mentioned, 20 points of discipleship that are in the Bible that you can see this guy was a man of prayer. I mean, as a teenager, uh, in Exodus, it it tells us the first thing we hear even about Joshua was that, that he had come to support Moses. Moses went to the tent of meeting to pray. I mean, it was where they had their prayer meeting. And it says that Moses left but Joshua stayed. Joshua was a man of prayer. As a young person, he understood that when we intercede, when we pray to God, God will move on our behalf. And so from that point, I mean all the other points along the way, as, as Joshua grew in the things of God, um, uh, he, he was founded on prayer. And this teaches us to be faithful to God's plan in our lives. But being human, it's very difficult to yield to God's plan because we want our plan. We want to do what we want to do. <laughs> our, one of our granddaughters, um, oh, it's so funny. She was just being a rebel. You know, children are just rebels. They cause all kinds of pain for parents. How many know that? Some of you aren't married yet. You, you don't know that yet. But you caused your parents all kinds of trouble. Well, our daughter and my wife was trying to console her and, and say, but, but you need to do this. I mean, your mom is telling you what, if, if you do what your mom says, it can be better. And she just blurted out. She said, but I want to do what I want to do. You know? And that's the way we are as humans. We just want to do what we want to do. But when we listen to him, He makes our life better. So Joshua was patient and waited on God, and God fulfilled God's dream in Joshua's life. And when we wait on him, he will exalt us. And this was for Joshua, but this scripture for us today is that God will exalt you. God wants to lift you up. God wants to lift you up above those around you. He wants to build you. He wants to make you strong. He wants to make you a mighty warrior in his kingdom. And he's going to do that if you consecrate yourself to him. And he will flow through your life and you will be a mighty man or woman of God. Now the next two things happen exactly the same time. Um um, number two, it says, I will make a way across the Jordan. They happen to be on the east side of Jordan, and uh, Jericho and the rest of Canaan is on the west side of the Jordan, and they've got to cross the Jordan to get into the land to fight the battle. Now, we all know the story. What happens shortly after this is that Je- the walls of Jericho come down because the people obeyed God. And you know that story, but what an incredible story. I just love to tell the story of Jericho. We don't have time today, and so I'm not going to be able to do what I'd like to do, but you know the story, that the walls fell, 
that they simply did what, and, but, but how many know that wasn't Israel that made the walls fall? What made the walls of Jericho fall? It was God. In your life, what is it that will make your issues go away? What is it that will challenge the enemy of your soul? You are limited in what you can do against him. I'm telling you, he is much more powerful than you. But when you come against the forces of darkness in the name of God, suddenly (laughs) our problems pale in comparison. And so they're on their way into this great victory, but they don't know it yet. They don't know what's going to happen. And so God wants to teach them a thing or two on the way in. So this happens, Joshua 3.16. It says that the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap. <laughs> I, I just, um, I, I get this picture in my mind. I, I mean, how can water pile up on a heap? How, how is that? I mean, but God can make that happen. And in fact, that's what happened. But it was because they believed. And so the first step in victory is to believe. It's not doing something, it's believing. And so they believed. Now, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And of course, in our minds, we say, well, there's no way. I mean, faith, how, what can faith do? But faith is the foundation for every victory that you will experience in your life. Are you up against something impossible? Are you dealing with something in your life that's just a big, big problem? And you might be saying, God, why me? Why has this happened to me, God? And so, but the answer is to believe. And when we believe, I'm telling you, God will do it. Israel was up. I mentioned the big people. Do you study the, the, the history of the, uh, of the Palestinians and all those the people that lived in the area at the time? They were all three meters tall. I mean, they were monsters, huge people. I mean, big people. If you would look at them, you would say, <laughs> you know, uh, like my cousins, my, my, all our grandparents came from Naples, Italy. And so all my cousins on my dad's side, they inherited the genes of, of um, Italy, of Naples. And they're all, and so my cousins, and, and growing up, we weren't close to them because we moved to Kansas and, and they were in Pennsylvania. And, and so when we would go back, my, my cousins were just jealous of me and my brother. And, and I, I just found this out a few years ago. And I was talking to my cousin and he said, yeah, we were always jealous of you guys. I said, well, why? I mean, man, what, what? They said, well, you're tall. I mean, you're six foot people and we're, we're just short. I mean, my cousin is He's an adult, and he's like this tall. <laughs> I mean, and, um, and, and, and he said, we just wanted to be like you. And we didn't understand. We're Italian, and you're Italian, and you're tall, and we're short. There was something wrong with this picture. And so they're looking in, and they're seeing these big people. And God is saying to them, just believe. You're going to fight them, just believe. And so that's what happened. Um. They believed, and when they believed, it says that the water stopped. Now, at the same time, the same time it happens. Now, uh, the third thing is it says he'll stop the water, and he did stop the water. But he didn't stop the water until something happened. 
Now, you'd have to believe, but sometimes you have to do something, too. In this particular case, the priests had gotten instructions from Joshua. They are to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. And you know, the, the, the Ark was this box, and it had these rings and poles. And so there were four guys that had a, one pole over each shoulder, and they would haul the Ark on their shoulders. And so the instruction was for the priests to go down to the river, and when they put their foot in the water, <laughs> the water would stop. Now, the water happened to be at flood stage, and it was about 10 times wider than normal. And I had some thoughts for God. I'd say, God, you know, why don't we just let us wait for another month or two? Just, just let us wait a few weeks. The water will go down. We'll walk across. No big deal. But God said, no, I want to build your faith. I want to prove to you that I can do what I said I'd do for you. This, this generation hadn't seen all the miracles that took place in, in Egypt, all the things that I did to powerfully take you out. And even though they had seen that, and I had led them uh, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and I was with them at every moment, they still doubted whether or not I could help them and take care of their needs. And so I want to show this generation of my power. And so that's what happened. Now, I would not have liked to have been the pastor that day. Can you just see me and Tim? Tim's over here. He's on this side. He's got this ark on this shoulder, and I'm over here, and I've got the ark on this shoulder, <laughs> and we're walking down to a flooded river. And how many, how many have ever seen the river at flood stage? It's not only wider, but it's also flowing faster than it's supposed to flow. And so you get in it, you can be carried downstream really, really fast. And um, I don't like going downstream in a fast river. I don't, I don't know about you, but, but, but that's what's in your mind. But what's in God's mind is something totally different. Because when they foot, it says when their foot touched the water, the water stopped and piled up way upstream, and Israel walked across the river on dry land. Faith is not only believing in your heart, but it's also putting your foot in the water. And um, we have these moments where we have to put our foot in the water. This is, this is David against Goliath. David uh, had come up to, to visit his brothers, and uh, this thing keeps falling off. My ear isn't big enough, I guess, Italian ears <laughs> or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, I had come to visit his brothers and um, uh, they were on, on a, a, a hill and across the valley are the Philistines and there's this big old loudmouth big guy, nine foot, six foot, nine foot, six inch giant over there. And he is yelling obs obscenities to Israel. And uh, he was saying all kinds of nasty things about the God of Israel. Because <laughs> he's big, he's mighty. You know, he can do anything because he's big. And David, David is a, you know, a one and a half meter guy. You know, and, and he's hearing that. And he's saying to his brothers, um, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, why, why are you listening to this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Isn't God on our side? And they said, yeah, God's on our side, but look at that guy. And David says, no, don't look at him. Look at God. <laughs> and David proceeds to pick up five stones. And he, first he had the, the meeting with 
with Saul, and Saul says, you know, David, you're not covered by our insurance, and so this is not good. And um, David says, look, look, I, I'm, I, I know that God can take this guy out. Just let me go. And Paul says, Saul says, okay, you sign this waiver because I'm not going to be responsible for what happens. You know, and David goes down, picks up five stones, puts one in, slings it up against the giant, knocks him down, and cuts his head off with his own sword. I mean, that's faith. And that's what David did. This is uh, faith. This is disciples in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus, I don't know why he did this, but Jesus went to sleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> and the disciples are going, oh, everything is good. Jesus is back there. He's asleep. Everything is fine. And then a storm comes up. And have you ever been in a boat on a, on a lake or on the ocean and a storm comes up and there are bigger waves in the boat? And, you know, maybe the first time we saw the ocean, my wife and I went, we were in Miami and we took the glass bottom boat ride. And for some reason, the wind started blowing and, and they were, were trying to show us the bottom and we're, the boat is two, two decks and it's going like this. And they got, the captain got the boat into a place where instead of rocking this way, like it's supposed to rock, he got it where it's rocking this side, this way. And I'm telling you, it was bad. I mean, everyone's getting sick. Have you ever been in a boat with a lot of people that are getting sick? I mean, it's not a pleasant day. This is not good. And the disciples were getting sick. I mean, the boat was rocking, and they're afraid, and they wake Jesus up, and they say, Jesus, wake up! What's wrong with you? Look at this! And <laughs> Jesus, Jesus stands up and says, what's wrong with you guys? And they said, what do you mean, what's wrong with And they get in this little spat, and Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, peace be still. And you know, he calmed the sea in a moment. He was in the boat. And this is the faith of the Canaanite woman, Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Fascinating story. This woman was Canaanite. She's not a Hebrew. And she happens to be close to Jesus and they're eating. And she comes to Jesus and says, look, my daughter is demon-possessed. And if you just speak the word, my daughter will be healed. I don't know if you've ever had family problems, but for parents, there's nothing worse than having family problems where your kid is just, what can you say? I mean, this is bad. And Jesus looks to her and says, you know, we would have liked for Jesus to say, oh, no problem, go home, your daughter is healed. But Jesus looked to her and said, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know about you, but had I been the Canaanite woman, I would have said, dear Mamma Mia, what's the matter with you, Jesus? I would have just had quite an attitude. But the woman stared at him and said, yeah, that's true. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. Do you know a crumb from the master's table is the greatest thing on the planet because just a simple crumb off his table meets our needs. Just the, the slightest little 
just a moment with him is better than a, a, a year in, 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 in paradise. A moment with the Lord is such an incredible thing. Because he radically changes us and changes our perspective and, and helps us with our life and, and gives us a new guidance. And as a rocket scientist might say, a new gyro. They, they, there's a new one. I mean, this one really works good. And it keeps you focused and you're going the right direction. And you know, the woman went home. Her daughter was completely whole. That's faith. Now, the third thing is, uh, or fourth thing is this, hearing from God. This is maybe the one we don't like so much, but what happened was they crossed uh, the river and uh, they camped out at a place called Gilgal. And Gilgal, their God was to was wanted them to stop and we're going to take care of things that we haven't been taking care of up to this point. And this is a painful subject. Um, I don't want to talk about it, but it's about circumcision. And uh, that was the law. That's what they had to do because they had been in the desert all this time. They had not gone through this process. And so they camp out at Gilgal and this is where God is going to take care of this, this problem. Now, everything in the Old Testament, what's fascinating about the Bible is Old Testament is everything is pictures of what's going to happen in the future. So the stories of the Old Testament and the, the power in the Old Testament is equally powerful for us today. But it just happens that in the Old Testament, it's more of a physical look at life in the New Testament, it's more of a spiritual look at life. So the Old Testament is circumcision is a physical act, and the New Testament circumcision is uh, a spiritual act. It's something that we do. It's, it's circumcision of the heart. And he's saying that, that, that it's more of a focus on what he wants out of us. The Old Testament, it was a physical act that they did. And so they, 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 they come up to Gilgal, and, and God says to Joshua, Joshua's the general, and he says, okay, we're going to do this. And I think Joshua's probably saying, I don't know about that. I mean, the people in Jericho can see us. And they know what's going on down here. They got their, their own spies, and they're going to see that when we do that, I mean, the army is totally disabled. You know, the generals of Canaan been on, on their game they, they would have attacked Israel and totally destroyed them because for several, several days this army of Israel was totally incapacitated. And you know, the truth is in life, that's where God wants us to be. Where we can't do anything. And that's what he's trying to get us to, is to where we can't do anything but listen to him. And if we will listen to him, and we get to the spot where we can't function. We can't do anything, but we still want to win the victory. He says, just listen to me. I, I mean, we maybe you're totally disabled, but we win the victory because we listen to him. And do you know that in, in that place of Gilgal, he began to, he began to just elevate Israel. What a powerful moment. It's one that we, we often just kind of forget about and, and we don't really pay attention to it, but it's something that really elevated and made Israel a mighty, mighty nation. Now, in the New Testament, there's a lot of things and there are things that we have to watch out for to keep our heart circumcised. Because after a while, things get to go on smooth 
and we start letting things in and we start watching TV shows that elevate sin and we start compromising or we start accepting things that we had not accept because we had been to the point of consecration and set ourselves apart, but now we start moving into this other direction and we just kind of let things... And that had happened to the church in Corinth and in chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5, um, Paul is rebuking them. He said, I can't believe you're letting this happen. He said, he says, don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a, a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, but without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. And you might say, what are you talking about? Well, he's explaining that the people of the church had allowed this guy who was, was um, sexually immoral, living with his mother, his, his dad's wife, and, and, and the people were just letting him come, and I mean, everything is, they, they just kind of let it go. Because the Corinthians were... I mean, God had radically changed them. Over time, they began to kind of let these little things in, and they had not said. And so Paul says, get that guy out of there. Don't you know that he is, is, is causing uh, an issue for, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. <laughs> and I say, you know, technically, you are right. But if you don't go to church, then you don't have this this mystical covering over you that protects you from all kinds of outside stuff. And you don't have someone challenging you to keep your consecration. And you don't, there's a lot of the gifts of the Spirit that you don't participate in. There are a lot of things. So you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. But I'm telling you, if you go to church, there's this mystical power over you that protects and helps and just blesses your life and helps you in your life. And and so what he said was, what he said was, now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, that's a person in the church, but is sexually immoral, is greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. He says with such people, don't even eat with them. He's talking about brothers, people who are, who are brothers in the church, but they're actively living in sin. And so he's saying, we got, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take care of this because it's diluting the power of the church. And so, so they did that. And um, <laughs> you know what's funny is they did it and they said, okay, Paul, you say do that, we do that. And so they kicked him out. Well, the guy repented. And he asked forgiveness, and they wouldn't let him back in. <laughs> so Paul in 2 Corinthians writes to him and says in chapter 2, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> the guy repented, and he's taken care of the problem, and he's repented, and so they had to let him uh, back in. Now, there's a lot of a lot of ramifications of this, and we don't really have time this morning to get into all the ramifications, but can I say that when we, get, when we begin to compromise our, our focus, then it dilutes our power. 
when, when we read the Bible and we start making excuses as to why we don't, you know, well, that, that, that's true, but, but, you know, God doesn't care if we're, and, and so we get, we, and so before long, we totally lose our power. We, we, we get away from, and this happens when, when we intentionally sin. I mean, that's going to cause trouble. If we don't repent, we lose our power and it, 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 um, attacks our spirit, our heart. And, uh, but there, you know, there are times when we don't do anything wrong and, uh, there's a lot of psychological terms, but we don't do anything wrong and we still get this defilement in our heart. And, uh, for instance, when, uh, a family, a parent, parents divorce, and the kids say, "Well, that's my fault. I, I call I, because of me, my parents divorce, and look what it's called: all kinds of trouble." And you know, the kid had nothing to do with it, and 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 so someone has to convince the kid, "Look, don't don't focus your life now and let this problem get." into your head and, and focus your life because you had nothing to do with this. Or a woman gets raped and she says, I did something and you talk about trauma. I mean, this is a major trauma in a, in a woman's life. And, and so she's going through this and she said, if I hadn't have done this or if I hadn't have done that, and she blames herself. And someone has to get to her and say, look, you had nothing to do with this. Because if you allow that turmoil and those feelings to continue in life, it's going to really make your life go all over the place and, and cause it. And negative thinking. Do you know when we think wrong, it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We need to be positive thinkers. <laughs> I run into a lot. I, I, and during the week, we're at Continental Theological Seminary, and so we get all these theological things, and and there's uh, <laughs> there are certain theological things going on in the world today, and 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 uh, uh, we're constantly debating these things, and so one of them happens to be the prosperity movement, and there's this attack on prosperity, and so I'm going, but wait a minute. I'm a prosperity person. I believe in pros I believe that God wants us to prosper. I mean, read the book of, uh, of Deuteronomy. I mean, God wants to prosper His people. And He said, "Yeah, but this and that person and they, look what they said over there." We, I said, "Well, what do you want? Do you want to be poor?" <laughs> I mean, but but we get these things and 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 we get to focus. Get to focus. Well, I'm just telling you that God wants you to think right. And you may be poor, but you think right. And you put you 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 let the mind and the thoughts of Christ and the power of of positive thinking flow through your life. I'm telling you, your life is going to be better. And you may not be a millionaire, but God's going to take care of you because of your outlook. God wants His people to have a good outlook on their life. And and probably the greatest example is the Apostle Paul. Um, politically, and we don't talk politics too much in church and. I'd like to, but I don't want to. I mean, I want to, but I, I better not. I, I'll be in trouble, I mean, instantly. But here's Paul. He's, he's in prison. Why is he in prison? For his faith in God. He's writing all these things. And do you ever see one scripture where Paul writes where he's attacking the president? I, I mean, the, 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 the uh, Caesar. The Caesar, the, 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 you know, the guy who thinks he's God, Caesar. And, and literally he was. And he was in prison because he wouldn't bow to him and, you know, do the Roman thing. No, Paul completely divorces himself from that. 
but he always is thinking right. He's thinking the thoughts of Jesus. He's, he's allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through his life. And he's got a, and I would have liked to have hung out with, in fact, I needed to hang out with Paul because I, you know, sometimes I think negative and I, I, I shouldn't do that. And if I would be with Paul, then he's telling me, you know, you got to think right, buddy. You know, if you think right, you know, just, just be pot. But you talk to that about some of the, the theologians and they're going, oh, but the reality, and I said, but but we're not living the reality. The reality is, yeah, yeah, the reality. And so we get into these theological things back and forth. But I'm telling you that faith in God overcomes the reality of pain in life. It's incredible. And so, and so, um, where is it? And so, where is it? We need to hear from God. And if we hear from God, He's going to elevate us and, and help us. And the last thing this morning is this. What has he done? Um, Joshua, in chapter 4, instructions further for crossing the Jordan was to, um, for, for he had uh, assigned uh, 12 guys, one from each tribe, when they got to the middle of the river to pick up a stone. And when they got to the other side, they were going to stack these stones up. And, uh, and, and of course, being in the river, the stones are smooth. They're, they've been washed for years. And I mean, I mean, they're really, really smooth stones. So it's obvious they come, came out of the river. And so, um, um, he says, um, in Joshua 4:21, he says, he say to the illustrates in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them that in the day that we came into our, our land, we got these stones out of the middle of the river, and the river was at flood stage. What a, what a powerful moment that is. Monuments, remembering things. Do you remember something in your life that God has done for you that was great? I, 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 you know, I, just this morning I'm thinking of, of a few things. My dad was a pastor. I was really little. I hurt my back. I'm laying on the floor. I'm in pain. My back hurts. My dad prays. I feel the bones in my back move. And the pain goes just because my dad prayed. He didn't touch me. He prayed and God touched my back. I remember that night when I decided I'm not going to be a rebel anymore. I'm not going to live my own life anymore. I'm going to follow what God says to do. And I said, God, if you will lead my life and you will help me when I'm in trouble, I will follow you. And you know, every moment since that night, God has taken care of me. He's led me. He's guided me. He's taken to me places I never dreamed I would go. I've been in trouble. He, every time I've been in trouble, and I've been in some really big problems with people, with churches, because I said that, you know, the canes are great, you know, and that's a bad thing to say in church. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I've been in trouble, and God every time has helped me and my wife, hasn't he? Every time. And so that says to us that when we get into trouble next week, and no doubt next week we're going to have some kind of an issue, because we're human. 
we can remember last week, you know, God did this. And so that's what he's saying to Israel. He said, stack those stones up and tell your young people, your children, that when you came into the land, we got those stones out of the middle of the river because God did this mighty miracle for us. Remember. And today, you need a miracle? Do you want something to go on in your life? Then remember what he did before because today he's going to do something greater in your life than he did before. What is it that you need from him today? Is your river at flood stage? Will you consecrate yourself? Will you set yourself apart for him today? Will you just believe? Will you put your foot in the water? He says, consecrate yourselves today because tomorrow God is going to do mighty things among you. And I'm telling you, that is an absolute truth, that tomorrow, next week, for you as a person, he's going to do great things. For you in your family, if you'll consecrate yourself to him, he's going to do great things in your family. For you as a church, if you consecrate yourselves to him today, he is going to do mighty things among you. And you might say to me, well, you don't know this. Well, I don't know that. And they say, well, you don't know this. Well, I don't know that either. But I do know this, that if you consecrate yourself to him, he will do mighty things among you. Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for what your word says. We thank you for what you're doing among us. We thank you that your word tells us that it's by your stripes that we're healed. It's, it says that, that, that you were pierced for our transgressions. It was our sins that put you on the cross. You were crushed for our iniquities, it says. And a punishment that brought us peace was upon you. And it says that by your wounds we're healed. God, we thank you for your word to us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to let you elevate us, to let you build faith in us, to, to help us to be able to step into the water and to focus our hearts on what you have for us, God. I pray in Jesus' name. What is it you need today? Do you need a change of heart? You know, he's here today to change your heart. What is it you need today? Do you need healing in your body Consecrate yourself today because he wants to heal your body. Do you need a job? Do you need confidence? Do you need encouragement? Do you need a miracle? What is it you need today? Consecrate yourself today because tomorrow God is going to do great things among you.